Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. Before we get into it, let's do our relaxation ritual. We're going to close our eyes, sit someplace comfy, right? Drop your shoulders, loosen your jaw. We carry so much tension in our jaw. Think about relaxing your ears, like the inside of your ears. Relax your eyebrows. Take your tongue off the roof of your mouth. Now we're going to breathe in. And exhale. One more time, really holding in that breath and letting it get all the way into your lungs. In. And out. Isn't that nice? And do I sound better this week? Last week I had a cold and so many of you guys were like, what's wrong with you? And someone was even like, is that even you on the podcast? Is this an imposter? Is this like the Avril Lavigne conspiracy? Like she's been replaced with a body double? No, girl, it's just me without my Sudafed traveling in Europe. But I'm back and so is my voice. So Tori sent this question. Said, Dear Shallon, I've been involved with my boyfriend for almost two years. I'm 27 and he's 30. And we just are not right for each other. He is extremely emotional to the point where I'm really no longer sexually attracted to him. Like he'll cry if I get annoyed with him or anything, which kind of happens in long-term relationships, you know? So how do I end it? Where do I end it? He's going to be devastated and he might have a breakdown like a real one. I've told him in a nice and loving way that he needs to see someone professionally to deal with stuff like this. I've watched videos, I've read articles, but I just can't seem to actually pull the trigger and break up with him. As you say, when things are bad, the nights are long. Help. Ugh, God. To me, there's nothing more unattractive than a man crying for stupid reasons. You know, like, tell me that I'm promoting toxic masculinity or whatever, but if a man is reduced to tears because I tell him he's got the Swiffer on upside down, get the hell out of my house. So if you've told him that he needs professional help and he hasn't gotten any, number one, look, all you can do is all you can do. And number two, I actually think you walking out the door is going to be the thing that might knock some sense into him. And even if it doesn't, girl, he is actually not your responsibility. We have to make one person on this planet happy. Ourselves. We can't fix anyone. We can't save anyone. We can't heal anyone. And if we try, we just end up breaking ourselves so badly that then someone has to come along and save us. It's just this vicious cycle of codependency. Never date someone out of pity. It wastes your potential. And truly, if a man has any quality and any alpha aspects at all, he wouldn't tolerate that either. He doesn't want to be pitied. It's a disgusting feeling. Also, it's really miserable and exhausting. And like, for what? You know what? Why draw this out? You don't want to be with him. It doesn't work. What are you investing one more day into this for? Don't mother someone who isn't your son. So you don't need to read any more books or talk to any more friends. You just need to do the hard work 
and break up with them. It's that simple. It's like getting in shape. Like, well, I read this, I read that. At some point, you have to just put on your shoes and go to the gym. And yeah, he might have a meltdown. A lot of people do when they get dumped. That's life. That Welcome, buddy. You're 30 years old. And either he's going to sink or swim, but like I said, that is not up to you. And you know what my new motto is? I've told you guys. If it's fragile, let it break. He is a grown man. And at his age, I've told you guys this too, my grandfather had fought in all four theaters of World War II. He built his house by hand. He went to college, had kids, started a business, and got married. That's what men should be doing at his age. And if he's not, then he is a failure to thrive. And you can't ripen an avocado, let alone a whole person. So it's time to serve yourself. Like, if it's not cruel, if anything, you're being good to him and pushing him out of the nest and out of a relationship that, quite frankly, isn't working for him either, you know? This is what he needs. Sometimes you got to be cruel to be kind. So Kate has a question about an ex-fiance. So she said, Shallon, I broke up with my fiance in April. We went through a period of not talking, but a couple of weeks later, we fast forward to November. I encouraged him to date other people and I saw someone else as well for a bit. And at that point, my ex and I told each other that we loved each other and started to hang out slash sleep together, obviously. I went away for a couple weeks around the holidays and he ended up sleeping with one of his female friends. He told me that another couple were coming to town, but it was actually just one girl. I was hurt that he lied about it. I don't know if I should give our relationship another shot. I just don't know what to do. So it sounds like you've had a lot of ups and downs for sure, but I don't get the sense that you worked on your actual relationship or the things that broke you up in the first place. It sounds almost like you're concerned with the topics not the issues. Like the topic is this other girl, right? You didn't tell me the truth about this girl. The issue is nobody knows where they stand in this situation. Does he have an obligation of transparency to you? What the hell is this actual relationship? Are you just friends? Are you lovers? Are you dating? Are you completely back together? You told him to see other people. What do you think that looks like? So That's the issue. And until you solve that, I mean, you're always going to be running into some sort of other girl, other issue, other whatever. So you need to get to the root truly of what is going on in your relationship and what splits you up in the first place, because it doesn't have anything to do with these other people. They're just a symptom of those issues. And if you guys want to give it another shot, you got to do the work, girl. Otherwise, you're going to head right back to the same place again. It's called a breakup because it's broken. And if you don't try to fix it, guess what? It's going to stay broken. Getting back together without re-examining those roots, preferably in therapy, is like moving out of a crappy, rickety house that's been condemned as dangerous, then like randomly moving right back in without renovating it. It's still unsafe. It's still a hazard. Time heals nothing. It's what we do with that time that matters. So if you guys haven't done anything with the past eight months, any sort of emotional renovation, either on yourself or your relationship, and you're just sort of hoping it's magically all going to evaporate, you're going to be here in another eight months. So before you talk about getting back together, talk about getting into couples therapy. And if he's not willing to do that, then he doesn't have a realistic idea of what it takes to fix and maintain a marriage. And then it's better for you just to move on. This question comes from Athena. She said, Shallon, I've been with my boyfriend for about six months now and I love him. Everything's fantastic. But 
before we were official boyfriend girlfriend there was kind of an incident with one of my neighbors like it's this boy and like I never really had that much chemistry with him but one night one thing led to another and we ended up like not making out but just sort of like long hugging and he sort of kissed me on the neck for a second I don't know it was weird but it didn't go further than that now my boyfriend and I weren't boyfriend girlfriend but we were exclusive at the time and I know if we if he ever finds out about this he's gonna go ballistic and he's totally gonna break up with me and I'm kind of worried someone's gonna say something to him so I don't know if I should just come clean about it now and see if I can get ahead of it or what help so from my experience and in my opinion exclusive but not boyfriend girlfriend is not a thing that I tolerate. That's like a job saying, come in five days a week, work nine to five, ooh, but you don't get a paycheck. Exclusive but not official means I have all the rights to you, but you don't have the assurance that I'm giving you that same commitment back. I'm sure your boyfriend's like lovely, but if he wasn't committed to you at that time, then he doesn't have a right to complain about what you did. Men are hunters. And hunters know that if they don't go after what they want, some other hunter will. So what you did during that time is absolutely none of his business, none. And if he thinks that it is, well, well, I guess he's about to learn a lesson about not locking down a hot in-demand woman. Now, isn't he? So you've got nothing to apologize for or to explain. It happened a while ago and girl, no one is even paying attention to it or remembers it. Like literally nobody cares. We wouldn't stress so much about what people think if we knew how seldom they did think about us so I guarantee people don't remember that like this dude's not going to say anything nobody cares and again even if they did your boyfriend doesn't have like he doesn't have a leg to stand on he rolled the dice by not locking you down and oh look he called that wrong he shouldn't gamble don't take him to a casino so I wouldn't worry But I would keep your eyes out for whether or not this is a pathology with him. If he feels entitled to know absolutely everything that you're doing or where you are or who you've been with and he feels entitled to all this access to your stories and your history so that he can pass judgment on it, that shit's dead. That can very quickly turn into possessiveness and a very toxic dynamic. This question comes from Kristen. (laughs) She said, I have a fake Tinder that I made to see if the guy my best friend liked was on Tinder. I was reading funny bios, sure you were a girl, and I came across a boy that I recognized. We follow each other on Instagram, but we don't know each other. So I swiped right. Then he messages me. I told him I was just using like a fake account and the reason I swiped right on him was because I thought I recognized him. He asked for my name and looked me up and told me that I was cute and asked why I was like a catfish on Tinder. I told him why, the whole thing about my friend's dude and whatever, and he asked for my Snapchat. So we've been snapping. I want to go out with him and we go to the same school, but I don't know how. I need advice. Oh my God. Okay, so lots to unpack here. None of it good. First of all, you know what I'm going to say. Don't catfish people. It's weird. It leads to a lot of messy situations as you're experiencing right now. Also, it's like for low class people. It is. Rich people don't catfish people. It's stupid. Second of all, like, dude, how many different digital mediums do you and this guy have to talk on when you go to the same school? Tinder, Instagram, Snapchat, what? Look, my rule is if someone has access to me in real life, there's no excuse for them communicating only over social media. At the very least, he should be texting. Why texting? Because texting is the primary form of communication, right? So when a man wants you in a primary kind of way versus a disposable fuckboy kind of way, 
He's not going to take the chance that you will miss the Snapchat or the Instagram DM or whatever. He's going to go straight to your primary inbox, text, or call. I'm seeing a 21-year-old dude. He calls me on the phone. Do you know why? He's like, I want to make sure I get a hold of you. People miss text messages. I know that you're busy. Oh. So if your dude isn't doing that, it's because it's not really that important. If, he, if like you miss his message, he doesn't care. The stakes are low. He's a fuck boy. And honestly, you're kind of being a fuck girl. Like think about the messy, convoluted way you met this dude. It's not good. So in my opinion, this has the makings of a fuckboy scenario. Nightmare. Because you guys met on Tinder, like in very weird circumstances. So he might view you as someone that he can just mess around with because you're not really taking the dating process seriously. So he doesn't take you seriously. So if you want to just have fun with that guy, like, okay. But I don't think he's going to turn out to be a super viable boyfriend option. But you know what? Who knows? See where it goes. But if the writing is on the wall about him being a fuckboy, swipe left. She said, I'm a 32-year-old and I'm dating in New York City. I struggle with confidence and being a people pleaser. I used to date really hot dudes who I was insanely attracted to, but they always ended up mistreating me and then dumping me and leaving me completely devastated. More recently, I've tried to date safe guys who are significantly less hot, but whose fawning and adoration behavior draw me in like a siren song, you know? The problem is I get the ick and then I end up dumping them. It feels as though I can't win. How do I go about finding someone who's both attractive and good to me? I've only ever had one or the other, never both. So I've been where you are. And I feel like so many of us girls have, like we either get the fuck boy or like the Lord of the Rings weirdo. Did you guys, I feel like I bring this up all the time. The Amy Schumer sketch, hello, my lady. It's like about these like fatty dumpy guys who like, they're on like Reddit all the time and they wear fedoras and like, hello, my lady. And they're just like, no, no, Garrett, no. <laughs> it just feels like you can't win. It's like, is anyone dating someone they're attracted to who's nice? But yes, people are, I promise you. And me looking back on my own history with this, I can tell you that I was not dating from a place of connection, but from a place of power. And that's what you're doing too. So with these hot dudes, you have no power. You view them as out of your league. You're not. The secret to being a hot girl, like I always say, is simply deciding that you are one. And therefore, conversely, the secret to being an ugly girl is deciding that you are one. No one else is giving you this feedback. You're telling it to yourself. Maybe if somebody said it to you once, they said it for like two seconds. Like literally, that's how long they probably spent uttering that sentence. You decided to really take that and run with it. And you probably spent hours repeating this to yourself. So you truly are the, mer- the main perpetrator of these negative messages. Not the world. It's you, girl. The call's coming from inside the house. So you view these dudes, these hot dudes, as out of your league. And they take advantage of that power differential. And they toss you aside. Then you overcorrect. You go for guys who you think you're going to have the upper hand on, right? And that's like, that's satisfying too. Because again, you're not dating to form connections. You're dating to fix a self-esteem issue. You're dating to fix a power differential. So self-esteem issues and fixing that is where you need to start. Because your relationships are symptomatic of larger issues. It's playing out in this particular part of your life. And I just wonder if maybe you're experiencing these power differentials in other areas of your life. Is this how you feel at work? 
Do you feel taken advantage of by your boss and then you turn around and you're a bitch monster to your intern? Do you feel like this in your family? So unless we like ourselves, we cannot expect anyone else to like us, right? We can't expect to form a connection if we don't know what it is someone else would be connecting to. Because dating isn't 50-50, it's 100-100. Like I always say, we can't be, say it with me, half of a whole if we don't know what half we are. And the other part of that is if we don't like who we are. You might think, oh, I know myself completely. I just literally hate myself. I know that I'm clumsy and selfish and lazy and this and that. Okay, not what I meant. You got to know yourself and you got to like yourself. So start with yourself. Take a break from dating for a little while. Let the dust settle so that you're not dating from this power standpoint. Get your career and your goals where they need to be. Get your health where it needs to be. Mend your family relationships if those are in trouble. Deepen your friendships. Have a really good group of girls. Because at the end of the day, men are always, always just going to be a complimentary angle to your life not a completion of your life. So this is the big question I wanna talk about this week. And this question comes from Erica. And you're gonna hear her her predicament and you're gonna be like, I am not in this situation myself. Okay, you're probably not also a tortoise or a hare. You probably got something from that fable as well. Just go with it. Because where she is at is a place where a lot of us are at. You'll see what I mean. So Erica says, years ago, I got into a boring trash relationship. Mm -hmm. See, you gotta identify with that that left me with three kids. I have a little girl who's six and a boy-girl twins who are four. Me and the dude separated and now I've been on my own for two years. He just does not exist in our lives at all. To top it off, my twins are autistic and they require a lot of therapy. I don't date because everyone turns their back on me and I haven't been able to pursue a career due to my kids' needs. My point is, I'm not quite sure where to go from here. I've grown a lot, but I just can't help feeling like I'm missing out on life. I feel stuck. My life is at a standstill. How can I use this crap situation to benefit me and get my life back on track? So I thought really long and hard about what to tell you on this. Like, because my knee-jerk reaction was to say, prioritize your career, get people to help out with the kids. But look, dude, like, oh, okay. Obviously, that's such like an obtuse and ridiculous thing to say because no shit, you'd probably have four full-time nannies if you could. Most people would. So I don't want to presume to understand what it's like to be in your position and give you advice coming from my totally different position as like a child-free woman, you know, just kind of footloose and fancy free. And I am going to tell you though, you do need to prioritize yourself in some sense. Being in a caregiver position can be very emotionally corrosive. And then it's like you're not even allowed to realize that it's being corrosive because then, oh my God, like what a, you don't, you don't love taking care of your autistic kids or your incontinent grandmother or your husband with clinical depression. What a monster you are. You feel like you're not allowed to put yourself first because then you feel guilty or like you're being judged on and on and on. But one thing I am learning from my career is that self-care is the thing that enables you to be a better caregiver to the people who need you. When I take time for myself, if it's a half hour workout, if it's 10 minutes of meditation, if it's eating four to six croissants every day in Paris, however you define self-care, I bring my best self to my caregiving situation. And for me, no, it's not twins or an old person who lives in my house. It's you guys. You 
you guys are the old people who live in my house. Like, but like, you guys are the ones who need my care. You guys are the ones who need my attention. And if I'm not at 100, I can't make you 100. So when I turn off like my questions on my website, it's because I need a break. And it's not that I don't care and it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's I need to like regather my strength and put myself back together and return a better Shallon for my little kiddos, for my little Shalloners. And that, Erica, is what you need to do too, right? But it's all really to say, I can turn my questions off. You can't turn your children off, you know? I guess you could put them in a crate with some lettuce. That's how people care for children when they go away for the weekend, right? Or is that a, is that a turtle? I don't know. They're both kind of similar to me. So look, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? So while logistical constraints are holding you back in a very real way, it is going to be your life's work to carve out time for yourself. And more importantly, carve out time for the things you're passionate about. That's all of our life's work. But at this point, you probably don't even know what those things are, right? So I want you to read a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, she's a great writer, but even though like her Instagram captions are like deeply terrible, she calls her followers dear ones. She's like, hello, dear one. It's just, I'm like, ugh, it's just very cringe. She started wearing like all Eileen Fisher. I was like, you, you're still really cute. You're in your 50s, but you don't have to dress in like, like you've just completely given up. Anyway, I'm off topic. Her book is incredible. The book Big Magic is about how to follow what she calls threads of passion and to get your spark back and to get your life on a path that's going to fulfill you when you have absolutely no idea what that means, where to go, or how to do it, right? It really did change my life and it changed the lives of so many of my friends. Like I give it to everyone and people love it because look, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting, right? Stagnation. And your life is underway. It's underway. And just recently in like the last year or two, I've just had this constant epiphany of like, this is it. Like this is my life. And unless I take huge steps, not huge steps, but unless I take active steps to change whatever's going on, whether it's my wardrobe or my body or my hair color or where I live, like it's just going to keep rolling along this inertia. So once you figure out what you're passionate about, you can start to set it as a priority in your life to incorporate more of that passion. You're going to orient your life around it in small, increasing ways. And you know what? You're going to be surprised at how many paths open up. Maybe you want to make an Etsy store that you can run from your house. Or maybe be a consultant remotely for a company that, or a charity that you care about. Where there's a will, truly, there is a way. But if we don't have a goal, and we don't get a goal unless we have a passion, we can't reverse engineer how to get out of where we are. So getting unstuck is like figuring out where you want to eat, right? The hardest part when you're trying to so say, what should we do for dinner, is deciding what you feel like, what you're in the mood for. Once you decide on steak or Chinese, the path becomes very clear, right? You cross off Mexican food, you bypass the hot dog stand, you have a path. So it's time to start looking at life as a menu. What do you want to order? And as unfair and emotional as it might feel, I know, I think it will be very helpful for you to take a step back just a little bit and examine whether or not you're using certain things in your life as an excuse to stay stuck, right? 
I think a lot of people in caregiver roles become codependent on the situation because there is an emotional payout, whether it's, hey, now I have an excuse not to try risky new things or getting a sense of identity from feeling needed or whatever. And it's tough because you are needed. Like none of the things that are happening with any sort of payout are fictitious. They're real. And that's what makes it hard to get some perspective and disconnect. But we can't change what we don't acknowledge. So it's important to look at all aspects of the situation so you can figure out a path forward. And yes, it's going to be painful. Growth is painful. Growth is scary. But growth is also crucial. There's no growth in your comfort zone and there's no comfort in your growth zone. If you want to be the best mom to your children, you got to be the best self to you. Okay, Shaloners, we're going to close with a doozy. So Penelope sent this question. She said, I've got a little bit of an issue and it's weirding me out. I have a best friend and we got along really well. I mean, we were best friends, but I always had the feeling that she thought of me as more than a friend. To my knowledge, she's never like done anything more with girls and like gotten drunk at a bar in college and kissed one. But there was this level of possessiveness and and weird jealousy that never really made any sense to me. I'm engaged and she seems to have a really big problem with my fiance. Like she'll sort of flip out if she's, if she knows that I'm spending the night at his house or something like that. And I've tried to talk to her about it, but she's not really receptive to this conversation. So we kind of stopped talking. I mean, one time she was my really close friend. So I really thought that I owed it to her to talk this out a little bit, but I felt like it was a one-sided conversation. I can't decide between trying to give our friendship another chance or just letting this whole thing go. So, this sounds like a mess. I'm going to assume that you're straight and your friend, yeah, like apparently isn't. But you know what? You know what? Even if you are a lesbian and you're marrying another chick, the bottom line is you're marrying someone else. Someone who isn't her. Okay? That's the writing on the wall for her. And I know you're tempted to give your friendship another chance. And that really is a testament to your good character. But the truth is, this is not a friendship. Friendships are neutral. And she doesn't have neutral feelings towards you. She has romantic feelings or weird possessive jealousy feelings. I don't know, but they're not neutral. So the dynamic is basically, from my point of view, an unrequited crush. And look, I hear from girls in her position all the time. And they always lie to themselves and to me and say, I'm fine being friends with him. I'm fine. No, I used to like him, but I'm just fine being friends with him. No, you're not. You're interested in him romantically or her. And so to lie about that only gets you further down a dead end road. And it's a hardship on the other person. In this case, you. Because you think the dynamic is neutral and platonic. But meanwhile, this other person is always scheming for something more. It's just bad all the way around. It really does waste everyone's time and emotion. And look, you tried to get this place to a neutral. I'm sorry, this friendship to a neutral place. And it didn't work. You had a fruitless conversation that did not go anywhere. And what do we say? You can't change what people, what can't be acknowledged. So for whatever reason, she's not reading the writing on the wall. So I don't think it's up to you to try to keep this friendship going, nor do I think it would be healthy to do so. You tried to address this head on, didn't work. You tried to communicate your concerns, didn't work either. So look, that is what it is. I would cut your losses and move on, even though that's painful and it's sucky and it seems like something that should be able to be ameliorated. But feelings don't work like that. You can't just talk out someone's feelings and then they go away. Maybe one day in the future when she gets the memo that you're not available nor receptive, you guys can form a neutral, balanced, platonic relationship. 
But right now, that's not logistically possible. And to pretend that it is will only make you both miserable. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.